Hi, I'm David Hermes, and this is your 15. This 15, we're going to talk about five most common hurdles to personal evangelism and how to overcome them. Before we get started, I want you to think about uh, what you associate evangelism with. Uh, I know for me, evangelism is absolutely terrifying, and I've been doing it almost full-time for almost five years, and I'm still scared to death every time I step out to do it. One time when I was in college, I was dared to do some open-air preaching and uh, at, a, at a gigantic party. And I went up on this staircase and I overlooked about 200 college students. And I called out, hey, everybody! And everybody looks up and uh, I panicked. And I said, oh, God loves you, but you're messing up. And that was it. I ran out of energy. I ran out of gas. I had nothing else to say. And there are 200 students looking up at me. And, and uh, one, one guy just tried to bail me out. He goes, yeah. And I, I was ruined. I, I walked back down the stairs and tried to hide. I, I, was, I was devastated. And the reality is evangelism hasn't gotten much easier since then. The reality is that that wasn't even really evangelism. I think that we need to understand evangelism is using words to introduce people to the God of the Bible and the good news that he came to save mankind. It's not this big, ominous, scary thing that you have to be a professional to do or you have to do it a certain way in order for it to count as evangelism. But it's using words the way that you were designed uh, and through your experience to introduce people to Jesus. Evangelism uh, can easily be associated with any number of caricatures that we want to have nothing to do with. Uh, we want to be, uh, be relational. Well, that's the goal of evangelism, is to be relational. Uh, we want to connect with people and show them that we love. Well, that's the goal of evangelism. Evangelism isn't the job of pastors and teachers and people who work in churches, but it's everybody's responsibility. That means it's your responsibility and it's my responsibility, even if we do it badly. I know there's a nagging question of whether or not you, are, you feel qualified or maybe you feel completely unqualified, and that's our second obstacle, feeling qualified. Now, when I look at the Bible, I gain a great sense of relief because God used sinners uh, just like you and I to, to advance his kingdom. He used thieves. He used prostitutes. He used murderers. He used uh, all sorts of people who were messed up in almost every imaginable way, and yet he used them. And so if, you've, if you're worried that you're not qualified, let me, let me assure you that that. Being available is what makes you qualified. Just like uh, going to a good restaurant. If you've ever been to a good restaurant, you remember that experience. And you remember how good the food was. And you remember uh, that the wait staff was good. And that it had a good environment. And you had a good time. And you go and tell people about that restaurant. Uh, and you're like, hey, I had this great experience at this restaurant. The food was good. The wait staff was great. We had a wonderful time. You should go. Well, you're not qualified to speak to the restaurant unless you're a restaurant manager. You're not a chef, so maybe you can't talk about what made the food good. You just know it was great. So even though you're not qualified, you go out and you tell people about this great experience. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a pastor to tell people about the goodness of God to tell them the good news that Jesus loves them and that Jesus desires more for them, that he wants them to live in accordance with his will, not with their own. Of course, there is also the fear of violating social rules. Now, this is a huge one 
because there are certain unwritten rules in society. We don't talk about religion, we don't talk about politics, and we certainly don't talk about sex. Uh, but, but when we talk about evangelism, we're saying, wow, so I've got to start a conversation that will very likely bleed into all of these issues. Uh, well, yeah, kind of. I think there are some rules that are made for breaking. Now, certainly we've got to be careful about where we apply that, but the reality is the, it's far too important. The stakes are far too high to not start a conversation on this, even at the risk of violating social rules. As I go around on the college campus, uh, we use a number of different tools, but all the tools have the same goal in mind, to, to have a conversation. Uh, I walked up to one man one time and I said, hey, I'm, I've got a reputation of, I, I was dared by a friend to walk up to a man and reach out to him and do some evangelism. And so I walked up to the man and my friends were laughing. I said, my friends are laughing because I have a reputation of talking to people about Jesus. And his response was immediate and harsh. He said, I hate talking about God. And so I said, I said, yeah, don't worry, I'm not going to do it. Why, why do you hate talking about God? And with that simple question, I opened up a conversation in which I got to share a little bit with him about who God is and why God cares about him. I was able to identify with his frustrations with the church. I was able to identify with his frustrations about understanding God and his purpose. I was able to use the fact that he doesn't like talking about God to enjoy a conversation talking about God and have a good experience doing it. Evangelism is not about standing up on a street corner and telling people how messed up they are, telling people that they're terrible and that God hates them. It's far different than that. It's engaging them on a relational level and helping them come to a place of understanding more and more and more who God is. Now, you will have to violate some social rules. There will be awkward moments, but we have awkward moments all the time, don't we? We have awkward moments around other things that are less important, don't we? A gentleman, uh, Penn, of the illusionist team, Penn and Teller, has a video blog where he talks about a man coming up and bringing him a Bible after a show one time. And the man handed him the Bible and said, Penn, I know you're an atheist, but I think you're a great guy and I want to give this to you. Uh, I hope that you would read it. And Penn took it home and he opened it up and he looked inside the cover and, it was a, and, and in it was an inscription where the man expressed his desire that Penn would give it an honest look. Now Penn, as I said, is an atheist and he doesn't believe in God. Uh, in fact, he's, he's angry about God in a lot of respects. But in this video blog, he started to tear up as he talked about the sincerity and the authenticity of the man who brought him that Bible. As he was talking about this, he said, if you believe, Penn said, if you believe that eternal life is available for each of us, that without Jesus, we're all going to hell, that without Jesus, I can't have eternal life, but with him, I can have eternal paradise with him forever. Why wouldn't you share that with me? He said, how evil do you have to be to not tell someone if eternal life is available to them and they don't know it? And so I do understand because, of, because of, of Penn's experience, because of his honest and transparent blog, that sometimes people want the social rules to be broken. They want to know that there's more. And it would, be, it would be selfish to not share because we're a little bit insecure temporarily and withhold the possibility of eternal salvation for someone. 
Another obstacle that we face is that we don't see the need uh, for a savior for them. Uh, the people in our, in our lives have good things. They've got good jobs. They've got happy families. Everything looks the same on the outside. The life of the Christian and the non-Christian looks remarkably similar sometimes, doesn't it? And that's intimidating. Why would I take this to somebody who seems to be okay without, without it? Now, you know that you needed a Savior because you're familiar with your insecurities. You know that you needed a Savior because you're familiar with your, your shortcomings and your, how imperfect you are and how messed up your life has been. You understand your needs because you know your insides. The reality is uh, other people feel the same way. And moral success is not an indicator of whether or not somebody needs to be saved. Outward metrics, uh, having a good job, having money, um, going on good vacations is not, is not the indicator of whether or not somebody's doing well or not. The Bible makes it very clear in, in the book of Romans that uh, Paul writes to the people in Rome that uh, the wages of sin is death. And all men have fallen short of the glory of God because we've all sinned. And so the reality is we all need a Savior because we've all sinned regardless of how good we look on the outside, regardless of how well we're doing according to natural means in our natural life. So even if you agree with me on those previous points, uh, there's, there's a major hurdle of not having all the answers, and that's our next point. I don't have all the answers. Well, the good news is you don't need to have all the answers. People don't want someone with all the answers. They, they didn't, people don't, stay away from a relationship with Jesus, not because all of their answers haven't been questioned, all of their questions haven't been answered. They stay away from Jesus because they haven't had a meaningful experience, a meaningful encounter with God himself. Having all the answers is honestly, it's kind of overrated. When I do college ministry, when I do ministry on the college campus, uh, I run into people who are far more qualified to talk about science and philosophy than I am. I haven't studied either of those things. And they ask me questions that I, that I don't belong. Uh, I, they start conversations that I don't belong in. They ask me questions that I'm not qualified to answer. And the best answer to any question that I can't answer is I don't know. Hey, let me look it up and we can get coffee and talk about it. And what I've done is I've avoided the tete-a-tete. I've avoided the, the, the confrontation that I'm not qualified for. And I've brought it down to a relational level and I've made it possible for us to have a conversation, continue a relationship, and hopefully through this relationship, they'll begin to know God more and more and more. If we can overcome these hurdles, I believe that we will advance God's love, we will advance his kingdom, we will advance the cause of Jesus Christ to show love, mercy, and compassion to the world. People will come to him. People will surrender their lives to him. But we have to get outside of ourselves. The greatest demonstration of love that you can show the people in your circle of influence is to overcome these obstacles to evangelism and share Jesus with them. So what am I saying? Evangelism can be intimidating. We're all insecure and we all wonder, uh, am I qualified to do this? The answer is yes, you're qualified to do it. In fact, nobody's more qualified to reach out to your friends, to introduce people to Jesus, to the God of the Bible, than you are. 
I believe that you can do it. You're going to have to overcome some fears and some insecurities, and it's worth it. And this is your 15. Thank you.